Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful day Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All about the standing desk craze. Yeah, I like the option. You know, some days might get a little weak in the knees, like today maybe. Good. I'm not arguing against versatility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The sta- the standing desk option seems to be very popular in this country right now. It is very one bizarre. of those fads, though, too. Where have you noticed? You probably you probably have. Um, you're an astute guy. You probably noticed this trend, wherein. People kind of just want to like. I'll I'll give you a couple examples. People want to read about like long term vacations, or they want to read about quitting their job, or like hear all these. They only want to fantasize. I'm convinced that most people don't actually take action on that stuff oh, and for don't sure. do not intend to whether it's retire or young or whatever. You just want to be sold the dream, and most people spend the money to do that. Standing desks fit. Exactly in that well, craze. Well, okay, the, the prime example, you and I, we'll get into some Twins talk here, but let's be honest, the Twins are 16 and 40, and <laughs> you guys are listening, and I don't know why, you're masochists if you want us to break down their uh, their batting average with the bases loaded, which, by the way, is 119. Yeah, I'm not very, sure if you do that. It's very they bad. one extra base hit with the bases loaded this year. Here's my analysis. That's not good. No. Uh, you and I have both read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim yeah. Ferriss. It's New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. one of the most popular books of the last 10 years in this country. How many people, what percentage of those people actually set up their life right. to only be working four hours a week? Yeah, exactly. Or even to be working far less than they were before. It's just yeah. kind of a pipe dream. It's a good book, but it's just kind of a pipe dream. Yeah, so and, and Most I, people consume because of, because of pipe dreams. Exactly. Uh, they'll buy a standing desk and then a comfy chair to sit at it so their posture's right at their standing desk while they're sitting down. Yes. That's, that's my philosophy, and I'm sticking to it. Would you like four more depressing twin statistics? I will take all of them, yes. Okay. So I already gave you the uh, – actually, I got five more. I gave you the 119 batting average. Okay. Here's uh, – we did. We had a depressing Twins stats oh, battle really? on our show today, actually. Oh, no. With the Eminem music in the background. So I'm guessing you guys had to – because your show is only four hours long. Well, we extended so it to five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got an extra hour today. Uh, not only have the Twins allowed the most runs in the American League, they've also scored the fewest. Yeah, that So quite the right. accomplishment. They are now the worst run-scoring and run-preventing team in the American League. Are you are you telling me that their run differential, the, the plus-minus on their runs for and runs against, is probably not very good then, That's too? also the worst in the American okay. League. Yeah. Right. It's like a minus 87 or something oh, right now. After two months. The Twins, here's a depressing twin stat number two. The Twins are 12 and a half games back in their division on, uh, what is it, June 7th. Mm-hmm. 
of fourth place. Yeah, that's so bad. Depressing twin stat number three. The Twins are paying Phil Hughes $9.2 million this year, mm-hmm. which is depressing in itself. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was but one it, of them? It becomes even more depressing oh. when you add the fact that no matter how well or poorly he performs the rest of this season, he will be making $13.2 million next year. Mm-hmm. He's now a glorified, well, not even glorified, he's a mop-up guy now. He's yeah. back in the bullpen. Yeah, for now anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, depressing twin stat number four, Danny Valencia would be leading the Twins right now in batting average, OPS, and now that Snow is out, RBIs as well. Yeah, but to be fair, Danny Valencia is a pretty good hitter now. Like one of the better ones in the American League. It's just a, yeah, but he used to You're be right. yours, you know. He used to <laughs> be ours here. Cast him off for basically nothing. And depressing twin stat number 5, the Twins are hitting 243 with a 311 on base and a 389 slugging percentage as a team. A batting line that's nearly identical to the career batting lines of Chris Parmalee, Jason Tyner, and Pat Mears. Ah, oh, all right. Well, we'll uh, be back next week right? for another episode <laughs> thanks, of Touch Them All. Thanks for listening. Um, I do. All right, you, you've seen my bit on Twitter, and it's not a bit. It's the way I think about life. Um, optimism reigns, right? Yes. So yeah. some so, some people if they come in spewing overly pessimistic hot takes, and usually those their name is Judd um, Zolgad, but. <laughs> Other times, I'll just get regular, you know, uh, you got to fire Terry Ryan right now because how can you trust him to make these sell-off trades at the deadline? And I'll say, like, oh, that's kind of a pessimistic outlook, so I'll retweet it with pessimism reigns. Far more often, people come to me with a lot of tongue-in-cheek, but some optimistic outlook on things. Um, like, oh, man, it's it's a rainy day, but, like, hey, I've got a nice book that I just picked out, or... Well, the Twins have an off day today, but at least they can't lose. Optimism reigns. Optimism reigns. So let's spin that list back, go one through six, was it? And I want to I want to see if we can come up with some sort of optimistic spin okay. on this. It's admittedly train wreck of a season. Now, don't try to paint this, listeners. Don't clip a little snippet here and say, Wetmore is rose-tinted glasses on the Twins. No, the, the Twins are terrible. But this could be a fun little exercise. So okay. Let's see how it goes. All right, here is. So the first one is the Twins, and we're now two months into the season, and they're hitting 119 with one extra base hit with the bases right. loaded. So so um, they failed again in that spot the other day, and I asked Mulder, Nunez was up, and I think he grounded into a double play, if I remember correctly. I remember thinking, man... I am all for small sample size. Cause how, how many at-bats is that? How many times have they loaded the bases? I couldn't tell you what the sample it, size it, it, is. It was something like, let's say, 5 for 57 or, or 4 for 45, wh- whatever it is. Somewhere around One there. One hit every other week with the bases loaded. <laughs> right. Nice is job, that good? Guys. Uh, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that that's good. But I, I asked Molitor, I said, do you think it's just – Guys just tensing up too much. Now suddenly you're like, oh crap, bases loaded. Remember, we're bad with bases loaded. Oh God, I gotta try to get a hit. And he says, no. That I mean, 44 at bats. Like, yeah, it's bad, but you'll see. Byung Ho Park the other day, or a couple weeks ago, goes four for 48, and then he busts out of his slump when he gets back to Target Field, and like. It just sucks for the Twins that it's a team-wide slump. So I'm here, waiting for the optimism. Here is the optimism. This is a roundabout way to put a positive <laughs> spin on a turd statistic. It takes a long time sometimes to set these volleyball plays up so I can spike them. There is a 0% chance. Oh, a 0% chance. And I, I'm Mr. Non-Zero. There is a 0% chance that the Twins finish the season with a batting average 
that low with the bases loaded. So therefore, oh, wow. keep loading the bases, Twins, and eh, that batting average will regress to the mean a little bit. Congrats. So, How's that for optimism? So, so you're so optimistically, they aren't going to finish with the worst <laughs> record in Major League history. It might just be a hundred losses. Oh, uh, well, I'm not ready to say that just yet. Uh, I don't know if I can go through five more of these. I will I'll go get, rapid you... fire on the rest of them. Okay. Uh, not all. The, the, not only have the Twins allowed the most runs in the AL, they've scored the fewest. So their run differential was minus 87, is that right? Yeah. Here's optimistic. I think their season-ending run differential could be better than that. Not just so, not worse. So like minus 50 or something. Sure, and that's progress. I think you, it won't. Final two-thirds of the season, uh, uh, zero run differential. I don't but know. Here's the funny thing. I think if, it could happen. If they play 500 baseball from this point out and have, let's say, the rest of the way, they just neutralize it and they play sure. a 50-50 uh, run differential ball. Yep. So what are they now? They're they're 24 games under 500. Woof. Uh, so that would be if uh, let me do the math here. So 70 and 92 would be they would be a 60 12. a 69 win team. That's not good. Not if good. they played 500 ball the rest of the way, they'd still lose over 90. Can you see games. this team playing 500 ball the rest of the way? No, I cannot. Uh, twins are twelve and a half games back of fourth place in their division. Yeah, that's not going to get any better. So I don't, not optimistic. Yeah, I don't. So there's not any optimism. There. Uh, Phil Hughes is going to make a lot more money next year. <sighs> Ouch. Yeah. Well, so I wrote a column over the weekend that uh, the Padres' model of trading James Shields could apply to the Twins too. I'm not Problem saying is Phil Hughes is not James Shields. R- right. Nor that's is true. In Alaska. That's true. And Phil I'm, Hughes. I'm neg- neg- uh, negativity reigns. You, guy re- over here. you really are pessimism reigns. Um, there are there are examples in modern baseball history of guys who've been bad, overpaid, and moved. It's not impossible to conceive the fact that whether uh, whether it's Ricky Nolasco, Phil Hughes, or even maybe to a lesser extent, although I wouldn't trade this guy, you certainly could. Irvin Santana could be moved if you're willing to eat some money and and take non-stellar prospects back in the deal. I I don't think I would do that if I was the Twins, but I'm just saying. If you're looking for an optimistic ray of hope, yeah. uh, hey. But then here's the other thing, too. If you Let's say you decide uh, maybe on an Irvin Santana or an Alaska or a Phil Hughes, whatever it is, maybe teams are willing to eat the whole thing. And so then, so then just follow me here for a second. So the then you the can, twins, you mean? I'm saying, I'm saying let's say you, you find a trade partner for uh, Ricky Nolasco, like the Dodgers are desperate, and they say, hey, we don't want to give you a, a big-time prospect or even a B-level prospect. You would never get a big-time prospect. We don't even want to give you a B-level prospect, so we'll just – We'll eat the money, and our value to you is you don't have to you don't have to pay the tab on him. Right. So you you now have extra money to spend going into next year. You're basically trading. What, what do you want the Twins right now, as constructed, to have money to spend on free agent starting pitching? Wow. Look at the last six they've brought in. Well, that's true. It's every every time they've gone out and tried to find somebody, they've picked the wrong mid level guy or yeah. the wrong low level guy. Mm-hmm. They haven't hit on one of them, and and I and I'm including Irvin Santana in the whiffs right now because he missed half the season last year sure. and he struggled so far this year for the most part. Mm-hmm. So. Like he's the best of the bunch since Jason Marquis. Yeah, I don't even unless they blow this whole thing up at the front office, and I think there's going to be some major changes. I I'm not reporting that, but um, I don't even trust this current collection front office with money to spend in the off season. So. Yeah, but you still set yourself up in the best spot. Like, um, I don't trust myself to spend my money wisely in retirement, but I still try to contribute to a 401k when I can. Like, sure, well, you just sure. set yourself up as well as you can and hope you don't screw it up. And uh, I'll give you one more here uh, for you to put an optimistic spin on here. The Twins the twins are hitting like Jason Tyner and Pat Mears as a team. Like nine Pat Mears in the lineup. Optimism, Jason Tyner and Pat Mears are not a part of the current club. So I guess well, they there's are that. In spirit. I guess there's that. Uh, I, see, I see 
a number of guys hitting better at the end of the season than they're hitting right now. Byron Buxton, of course. I think you could even throw Miguel Sano into that. Um, Brian Dozier, you'd got to hope, right? Uh, Trevor Plouffe. I don't think that this team has a huge jump in it. I, I don't see it being like, oh, suddenly this went from being a terrible team to being a pretty good team. But if you can kind of salvage some of those batting numbers in the final two-thirds of the season, and I, while I don't believe in momentum in sports, if if Max Kepler puts in a good season, suddenly you're feeling good or feeling better heading into 2017. If Buxton is for real now and he's hitting, you know, we said on last week's podcast that, oh, don't give up on Byron Buxton. Look what he did all this week. I guess he's a frequent touch em all listener. I didn't know that until this most recent week. But Wait, what? Byron Buxton must be a frequent listener oh, of the Touch Em All podcast. Um, given the week that he put together after we said he's going to yeah, be we great. Did, we lit a fire. Yeah. And if he's suddenly putting together a good season at the plate to go with the gold glove caliber defense in center field, you feel a lot better about that spot in the lineup heading into 2017. I think that's the story of the season now for the Twins as you spin it forward and say, well, Yes, this is going to be a long summer for Minnesota and whatever fans decide to stick around, but you can set yourself up in a pretty good spot for 2017 yeah. if you are committed to doing that. Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm now curious to see. There's, I, sure. I'm curious if I'm going to flip on a Twins game accidentally, if there's nothing else on TV and I'm having to be watching the Twins these days. Yeah, we all feel sorry for you. Um, yeah, you got to be there every day covering this, this 17 out of 20 home game stretch a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm curious to watch Buxton, curious to watch Max Kepler. I think Barrios gets another shot at some point. He pitched really well. We were doing this on a Tuesday. Um, last night, he yeah. struck out like 11 in seven or eight innings He'll and be back. a couple hits. Yeah. So there's things I'm I'm definitely looking at, and there's things that can happen that would even help you not be as bad in the second half of the season, That where maybe you're actually playing closer to 500 ball if Buxton and Kepler and yeah. Snell comes back and all these things. One quick thing, because I, I want to ask you about like Eduardo Nunez. Should they trade him? Should they not? There's some guys we have to talk about today. I disagree on momentum. You and I both come from the same sort of analytics and yeah. try to take emotion out and then account for that later in sports. Momentum exists in sports. It's not predictable. Sure, yes. I agree I mean, with if that. you're feeling good and you're on a roll, and sports psychologists would talk about the science of this, where mm-hmm. once you find that zone, you're able to maybe ride that wave until it kind of goes away. So momentum exists. You're feeling good. You're going to perform well, and your your process is good, but then you can lose that, and it's not predictable. There is you what go. I would say. My, my point was, and I've gotten in so many arguments with my stat savvy friends about this and they're they're like math majors and and engineers and stuff and i'm just a writer so like i have i have no basis of for even really being in the conversation much less to disagree with their view on statistics but all i say like in basketball for example they say would you rather have a shooter Uh, the warriors are kind of breaking this mold so let's just forget they exist for a second would you rather have a shooter take the the final second shot when he's 10 for 10 from behind the arc or 1 for 10 from behind the arc. And my argument is if they're a career shooter over like 30,000 shots is the exact same. Yeah. I don't care who's taking that shot. They're both great shooters, and I, you know, I, I want someone who can hit that shot. I don't care if he's hit his previous shots because I don't think hitting 10 in a row means 
oh, he's got swagger. Like, he's just feeling it. I think there is something to be said when you're in that moment. We've seen this with Twins players in recent years. Miguel Sano on the plus side. Danny Santana on the negative side. Byron Buxton on the negative side. Ricky Nolasco on the negative side. Starts to kind of snowball and spin out of your control. Well, I just don't think, while I acknowledge that exists, that feeling it, feeling, I don't think that that can say what's going to happen in your next plate appearance or in your next game or your next series or your next homestand or your next season. Right, and, and, and part of it, too, is if, if a pitcher's feeling it. Now, if Clayton Kershaw's feeling it, he's got control over almost everything. Yeah, so, so pretend Steph Curry doesn't exist yeah. and pretend Clayton Kershaw and Bryce right. Harper, too. I'm going to throw them out. Right, but but you're playing against other humans, <laughs> and so as good as you might be right. feeling at the plate, as soon as you run into Clayton Kershaw, who's also feeling good, his yeah. feel-good trumps your feel-good. Yeah, you lose. So it does. So because you're feeling good, it's not a predictive, uh, a predictive model. Eduardo Nunez is a really interesting figure right now with the Twins. Speaking of feeling it. Yeah, he's been by far their best offensive asset, and I think even though he's not great at any particular defensive position, the fact that he can play multiple defensive positions makes him a valuable commodity. Sure, uh, I wouldn't ever want him starting at shortstop for a season for me. Mm-hmm. I could tolerate third base for a season with that bat, that he's at least the bat this year. For, you could put him at almost any position. But my question is, does it make more sense to try and sell high on him? And other teams know kind of what he's been up until this point, age 20. Been a decent hitter, getting better the last couple of years, but not great defensively, playing out of his mind. You're not going to trick a team into giving you a top prospect for this version of Eduardo Nunez. Hey, you want an all-star shortstop? Yeah, Fine. Like, we need I mean, a good prospect in return. You know, teams aren't just going to be duped into, yeah. into giving you a boatload for him. But I would almost argue... Because he's 28, he's got a couple years left of prime, if not maybe three, four years left of prime. Once he cools down, he's still an above-average hitter for some of the positions you would use him at as a utility guy. Pretty inexpensive right now, under team control through next year. If you don't get a great offer for him, he still is a valuable utility player, almost like a Ben Zobrist light, if you plan on getting back into contention sometime next year or the year after. If someone wows me with an offer, it's a no-brainer, I trade him. Mm -hmm. Um, If they don't, I don't hate having him on the roster as a guy who can play three, four days a week almost anywhere, and you trust him with the bat. What would you do with him? Entirely dependent on the offer, of course. Um, I would not hesitate to trade him, nor would I hesitate to trade anybody on the roster not named Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, or J.L. Barreos. That's that's basically, I would, I would draw a line in the sand and say, all right, other organizations, I'm even fine to trade prospects. If another organization calls about Eddie Rosario and thinks he can go back to being who he was a year ago, okay. If you want to give me comparable value and someone who could be a contributor in the majors uh, next year and beyond, absolutely I'm going to listen to that. I, there's no one that I'm just so enamored with in the twin system that I say, nah, I, I don't think I could trade him for anything. So Nunez certainly falls into that latter camp of, all right, yeah, I'm listening. What do you got? I understand the urge from a lot of fans, especially in a lost season, to want to capitalize on sell the stock when it's at its highest, right? Because I can guarantee you this ain't Apple. This is not Google. This stock is not going from afterthought to potential Hall of Famer. It's it's a good season for Nunez, and I think his final numbers – Will look very good unless he's like a, a weird second coming lighter version of Jose Batista, and at, at twenty eight he just hits this weird yeah. new level. 
I don't think he's that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I was if, he say. was if he was that and then he went to another, it would you be such a classic him. Twins thing yeah. to finally sell high on a guy. Hey, can we get Salberon really, back? Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got all these these case studies of Twins selling low on Carlos Gomez, on Francisco Liriano, on Delman Young, and you can go on down the line mm-hmm. and then... You finally sell high on a guy, and it's the right process in the moment, but you're not selling high because he becomes Jose yeah. Batista light. Yeah, this was just a plateau before the rocket took off, actually. Uh, I Yeah, all right. I'll grant that there's a non-zero chance that that happens, but so I think it's— you're saying there's a non-zero chance he's Jose Batista. <laughs> I'm saying there's a non-zero chance by the time it's all said and done, Nunez has his bust in Cooperstown. Sure. Yes. Okay. I'm saying that's a possibility, but— an extremely, extremely unlikely one, if you're asking me. I think this will be, when when he retires, whenever that is, this will have been the best year of his career. And that's great. I, I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, what a valueless hack, like a yeah, blip he, on the he radar. He deserves full credit this for this. This is a terrific season, and I think that basically no matter what happens the rest of the way, his final numbers are going to look good. He's already stolen 10 bases. I think it's 12 and, now. He's 12? Like, like, stole two la- like in, on an off day yesterday. Okay, well. He's uh, going to steal 20 bases. He's going to hit 300-something even if he slumps the rest of the way. He's That's ridiculous. He's got a tiny bit of power, and you see that in batting practice more than you see it in the game. I'm still kind of waiting for that to come out. I, I think you'll see some doubles power, potentially some home runs from Nunez the rest of the way. But, like, is he this meteoric star on, on his way to stardom? No, but he's this uh, model of persistence through the years, kicked around in the Yankees organization. They sold on him when they didn't think he could play defense. Uh, he was going to be Derek Jeter's successor. Yeah, that's, was- what, that's what prospect guys were talking about. And, and then it didn't work out, obviously. It turns out uh, Nunez might actually have more range than Derek Jeter at the end of his career, but... Wow. Definitely nowhere near the sure-handedness. Um, look, he's 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 a guy who's gone through a lot. He's put up with a lot to get here, and now he's getting a shot, and he's ta- he's making the most of it. I give him full credit for that. I tip my cap to a guy who is going to put up with everything you have to put up with from the ages of 18 to 28 to even be in this position, much less to break out and become your team's like slam-dunk all-star representative. He... He is probably going to go to the All Star game. Again, I'm not reporting that. It's just kind of like obvious. You look at you look He's at actually, the roster. It's not even kind of, it's not even one of those. Uh, Ron Coomer, late '90s. Oh, he's a deserving uh, All Star. He's, he's a legit All Star caliber player. The now, first half of the season, there are some good, good American League shortstops. But you just and and when you do have to have a representative, this becomes an easier conversation. It's mm-hmm. Nunez. Nunez. He's not a great defender, but he, like you said, he's got the flexibility. He's obviously hitting well. He can run. He's, he might be the second fastest player on the team besides Byron Buxton. Um, I, I don't know. I give I give him a lot of credit for where he's come, but if I'm the Twins, I'm also perfectly willing to deal him no matter when that happens. If somebody calls tomorrow, well, oh, but then what are you going to do for the All-Star game? Figure it out. It does not matter. Do not let little sentimental decisions cloud your judgment and make a bad decision because you took it out of the vacuum. And you said, well, it'd be really nice to have this feel-good story. Take the best offer if if teams are willing to give you some fair value for it. And if they're not, ride the wave. Enjoy this great season from Eduardo Nunez, and you figure it out at shortstop next year if you need to. Uh, He'll still be inexpensive. He could be your opening day shortstop, or if you think Polanco can play shortstop, he could be, or maybe Escobar resurfaces, and he could be. 
the Twins are going to have some options. I don't think any of them are great options. But they shouldn't feel pressured into trading Nunez just because, well, you got to sell a stock when it's at its highest. Yeah, I've got another uh, trade value-related question for you uh, regarding a Twins pitcher. But before we get into that, let's first, I just I want to throw out some uh, some some begging questions for our listeners. Okay. N- namely, will you please give us a rating on iTunes? <laughs> okay. In fact, people have done a really good job of that so far, and uh, we kind of backed off the throttle. But if we can get up to, I don't know, 80, 90, or 100 I'm not even going to say uh, five stars, just a rating. If you if you think the show is mediocre, go ahead, give it a three or a four, whatever. Be honest with us. But uh, you can help the show by giving it a rating on iTunes. You can just go uh, either find it in your in your iTunes app or even on iTunes.com. You can just kind of find it on, uh, on a browser somewhere. My ask is simpler and yet more demanding. You know how to rate podcasts on iTunes. You've been in iTunes. Go to it, find ours, and rate it five stars. No reason, after all of those hot Eduardo Nunez takes, to give this podcast a three-star review. And I Plus, will you know say... What? If you're disappointed in a Twins podcast and they're 16 and 40, <laughs> quite frankly, that's on you. Yeah, go for a walk or yeah. something. <laughs> I, I will say, if there are things that you think could make the show better, tweet us. Absolutely. At Phil Mackey, at Derek Wetmore. We both want to hear constructive feedback all the time. Constantly trying to make the podcast better for you, the listeners, so that you can get through this disaster of a twin season with your sanity at least relatively intact. Kevin Jepson, I'm not worked up about him continuing to go out there as the last line of defense because it, a, a closer on a 16 and 40 team is just another deck chair. It doesn't it doesn't matter. And I think I see what they're trying to do with him. His contracts up at the end of the year. If I'm the Twins right now, I'm trying to get Kevin Jepson back on track maybe rack up five saves in the next month or something and have his ERA go down and have a team look at him and say, man, we could use a seventh-inning guy. We'll give you anything. We'll give you a used tire for him. So if, if, you, if you scale back on, uh, on his late-inning usage and put him in the sixth inning, mm-hmm. for one, who, who cares? It doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point. And you're crippling his trade value even more than he already has with a, with a poor first half. So I'm not worked up about this as much as other people. I think we're going to fight about this. I think this is absolutely where it comes uh, to blows. We're going we're gonna to come to blows over a, a 16-win <laughs> team's closer right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I think, it's their, I think they're embarrassing themselves. I think the fact that Kevin Jepsen has a 6.26 ERA and has basically never come through when they've needed him is, you know, he was leading the staff in wins for a while with two And that's because in one of his wins, he blew a save and they came back and won the game, Mm -hmm. which is the story of Jepson's season to me. I think they got to make a change. I don't care. I get that it's deck chairs on the Titanic, but it's like you're sailing Queen Elizabeth on the Titanic and the deck chairs are all there. And there's one like, okay, deck chair. And there's one that's like, well, that one's, I mean, it's leather, but it's like definitely worn through you know i've been sitting on that one for like seven years and it's it's one of those ones that i yeah i mean just the trim it's just decorative it's really not functional but and then there's this one that's like plastic and it has a crack like in it you look at it and you think oh well i'm not gonna sit on i'm not gonna sit on that one i'll I'll fall it's gonna break this won't support my weight and you're having the queen sit on that deck chair like it it doesn't really matter but what's the most important position in the bullpen if you want to call them positions I'm not saying it's a, like glued to the ninth inning, but that, that closer or that end-of-the-line guy, that fireman, whatever you want to call it, whatever role you want to term, that's the most important, and they're putting their worst reliever in that spot. Look, career averages, I get it. Jepson's better than maybe a guy like Ryan Presley. Or even if you want to take career averages and stuff, he's probably better than Fernando Abad. 
Trevor May. But guess what? 2016 is the worst year of his career so far. They are six, at least six games worse for having Jepsen in that role. Would Fernando Abad have converted 100% of his saves? No. No, he wouldn't, and probably not. But they have six losses that you can pin pretty much on Jepsen. I think the fact that they're not making a change does show this sort of stubborn attitude that they have, and I agree with what you're saying with what they're trying to do. My only counter to that, and and you can answer for the Twins, I guess, because you guys uh, have the same line of thinking here, how many teams are going to see him go a couple of clean innings over the next month if he has five, six clean outings in a row and think, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, Kevin Jepsen. This first third of the season has made a big impression, I'm sure, on opposing teams, opposing scouts, looking for guys that might be available. Jepson's been about the worst of the bunch, and I don't think you can keep defending putting sure. him in the ninth. So here's where I'll uh, I'll side with you on the on the Kevin Jepson argument. I, I think we're missing the ball on this. I think I think the argument isn't whether well, he should be your closer because I don't think that matters at this point. You're on not a, on a any... terrible team, I, yeah, and you're not going to boost his trade value by doing that. What, what, I, what I think Kevin Jepson represents is the Twins' propensity to be tricked by players who have big seasons, Sure, but that's not necessarily representative of what they're going to do in the following seasons. Look at the recent right. examples. Uh, Mike Pelfrey. Mm-hmm tricked into giving him a two-year contract mm-hmm. that we all kind of, sitting on our couches, we kind of knew, yeah, this guy, even ah. in the National League, before he had Tommy John surgery, ah. he was pretty mediocre. Yeah, um, Kurt Suzuki, mm-hmm. four very mediocre to below average to well below average offensive seasons leading up to his first year with the Twins, has a great first half. By the way, he wasn't even their first choice when they picked him that time around. They settled on Kurt Suzuki. They wanted A.J. Pruszynski. Gave him a one-year deal. Pruszynski, I don't think, was the only guy in front of Suzuki on that list. But they wound up with Suzuki. He has the half season of his life. On a bad team. And instead of trading him at the deadline for something of of even half substance, they Mm -hmm. signed him to a contract extension. Now Mm -hmm. he's one of the worst everyday catchers in the entire league. Yeah. Uh, not even playing every day anymore. You could keep going down that Phil list, Hughes. too. Yep. Phil he, Hughes. Three-year contract. He has a big first season. First real big season of his career. Okay. Awesome. Congratulations. We love it. Prove it again in year two. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of doing that, they give him a ludicrous contract extension, which is going to wind up yeah. kicking in $4 million more starting next season, next even year. if he pitches in the bullpen the rest of this year. Uh, and I could come up with a few other examples, I'm sure, too. But Danny Santana, Eddie Rosario, uh, you could keep going up and down. And, and those aren't even twins. those aren't contract extensions, right? But, those but are, mistakenly like, thought, oh, this guy's better than maybe yes. we thought before. Kevin Jepsen going into the year with Kevin Jepsen as your primary setup guy, with a closer that had almost no chance based on his last couple of years and his age and the injuries that we're talking about in Glenn Perkins. It's such flawed process and flawed yeah. thinking. So. I'm looking over at this should he close right now argument or not, and I'm like I'm I'm kind of bored with that more uh, uh, micro argument. Yeah, I want I want the macro conversation right. to be the one we focus on here. He's another example of them misevaluating a trend. They thought, oh, he's going to replicate this career stretch that he had, and the answer is almost always no. He's not. It was right. so predictable. Yeah, I said all winter, so I won't waste a lot more breath on this because I value my breath. Um, that. Hey, you got to set up the bullpen in case Glenn Perkins isn't healthy. You got to have someone you'd be confident who could close games for you. And then if Perkins is healthy, great. He's your closer. The other guy's the eighth inning guy, and you figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. I don't care where the rest of the innings go. They didn't do that. Their biggest offseason move, I think you could argue, was 
moving Trevor May and making sure he's a permanent reliever. Now, I will give them credit for the Fernando Abad signing, but they signed him to a minor league contract, which gives you a little bit of an indication of how confident they were that he would be a great reliever. He's outperformed expectations, any reasonable person's expectations, including the Twins' front office expectations for him. Now he's going to get a three-year contract extension for like tomorrow. nine million dollars. Tomorrow, yeah, <laughs> nine million. Tony Sip got eighteen. Um, I, I will say that I I didn't understand the way the Twins constructed their bullpen this winter, and it's blown up in their face more than I could have even expected. I would not have guessed it would get this bad, but it has gotten this bad. So to your macro point, if you want to have the macro conversation, it's more about. Why did you set up a bullpen like this and think just because you like a couple of guys' arms like a like a Ryan Presley, like a Michael Tonkin, that, oh, yeah, I like him, he's a good pitcher, therefore, collectively, these guys will all turn into a good bullpen. That mm-hmm. obviously hasn't been the case, and it's, it's like blown saying, up in their face. You and I are both poker guys, gambling guys. Mm-hmm. I'll use a poker analogy here, as we frequently do on this show. I really like my flush draw. Yes, it's got a 25% chance to hit, and, and my when it opponent pays might off. not even see it coming. Right, when it pays off, they don't necessarily see there's a yeah. flush on the board. I also like my straight draw over here on this other hand, if uh-huh. I'm playing three tables at once or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like this uh, open-ender with uh, with an overcard. Yeah. These are poker terms that I don't expect people to know. I got a 25% chance I like here. I got a maybe I even have like a 30% chance over here and a coin flip up here. I got uh, ace king versus uh, a pair of nines. Mm-hmm. I like all those individually. Would I want to hinge my whole bankroll on all of those things <laughs> right. panning out? Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. The, so you got a 25% chance here, you got a 50% chance here, and you got another 50% chance over here. Okay, let's yeah, feasible that I'm I'm going to hit on each of those in a vacuum. Are you, what percent chance you hit on all those? Right. You know, um, less than ten percent. So right. start multiplying that out, and the math gets kind of ugly. That's what the Twins did with their bullpen, and that's why, like I said, I didn't expect it to get this bad. I didn't think Jepson would have the worst year of his career and be like, you know, just. Here's the problem I have with it: he's unusable in the ninth, and yet they refuse to use him anywhere else. He's like just the closer, and I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Jepson says he feels as good as he's felt. In a long time, Dozier said, that a Dozier said the same too. thing. Which, God. like, good for you guys that you're able to tune out all of these external <laughs> things happening, like your results on the field, and still say, you know, I feel good about my process. I applaud that, but it's just it's not working out yeah. for for either of those guys, truthfully. And there's uh, uh, just this one thing that I'll continually criticize this current Twins re- regime for is they're like. They, they, they'll say patience. I call it stubbornness. I think there are so many times. Danny Santana last year when he was starting shortstop in June and hitting my weight. Like, what? Why? What? Why? Mm-hmm. You have other alternatives. Turn to Escobar or turn to Jorge Polanco or turn to Eduardo Nunez or turn to Phil Mackey. I don't, I don't care. Just it's not working with Danny Santana, and it's clearly affecting him mentally, and he's getting into more of a tailspin. Just get him out of the starting sport. The twin said, hmm. It's right there. We saw him hit, you know, hit 300 last year. He's our guy. Great hands. We like him. Okay, that's good. I'm glad that you like him and you can evaluate him um, sort of separate from his results on the field. But nothing showed me last year that Danny Santana was nearing a breakout and they just they stuck with him. They're doing the same thing with Jepson. What do you see in him that says, oh, yeah, no, but fix this and that, and he's right there. Mm. He always gives up a run. I, always. I hate that word. Half of his outings, <laughs> half of his outings are not clean outings. He doesn't get the job done in multiple occasions. He's given up multiple runs. 
for a guy who is supposed to be a one-inning lockdown reliever, those are terrible results, and the Twins just keep churning them out there, hoping that something changes. I don't get it. Would you like one more depressing twin statistic? I thought we were. I thought we wrung that rag pretty dry, but uh, yes, let's hear it. There's still 106 games left. <laughs> Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. 